Hello everyone and welcome to the Constructed Criticism Network. This network is here to help you improve in Magic the Gathering at every level. From popper leagues to top 1000 mythic, we've got you covered. If you want to hear the entire network, head on over to our sponsor at puremtgo.com where you can hear each and every show, each and every week, and check out their sponsor, MDGO Traders, and tell them that the CCMTG Network sent you. Now sit back, enjoy the show, from YouTube, podcasts, and more, here's this week's episode from ConstructedCriticism.com. Hello, everyone. It is 6.05, yeah, 6.05 p.m. Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. And we're finally making some headway into this year, aren't we? And that means it is time for this week's trip down the Homer Path. This is episode 91. But before we dive in, I've got some questions. Are you a fan of Magic the Gathering? I mean, I guess probably so since you're listening to you know a a podcast about it is there something else going on in your life that takes precedence over your your ability to play magic your 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 gaming time is there something else that's more important we don't have aspirations for the pro tour we're just trying to we're trying to decompress after a rough week whether it's a partner children grueling job or career, all of the above, some of the above, whatever it may be. Are you still trying to improve at magic? Despite all of that. If so, well, get your mountains and forests ready because this is going to be a gruel episode. Let's look at the three B's of self-improvement in magic, budgeting, brewing, and breaking bad habits once we get the corporate chilling out of the way. Uh, Reminder that we are brought to you by puremtgo.com. Puremtgo.com is one of the largest depositories of magic content on the web. They do a fantastic job. All the creators, there's all kinds of content from all different corners, all kinds of formats, all kinds of styles of decks, jank, competitive, everything in between. Check it out. While you're on the web, head over to our parent network at constructedcriticism.com. If, if you're not doing that, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, they're great, and you should you should pay attention to them. As the intro said, from pauper leagues to top one thousand mis- top one thousand mythic. I'll, I'll figure out my English in a minute. We got you covered. And speaking of got you covered, if you want to get me covered, you can head over to patreon.com slash homerpathmtg. This show's always gonna be free. But if you like what we're doing enough to help us keep doing it, head over there become a patron, and take advantage of your rewards. Without further ado, let's dive into our first segment. Our first segment every week is Budget Spotlight. We're just going to kind of breeze through this this week because I really want to start, I'm, 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 I'm foaming at the mouth to talk about Gruul. But Budget Spotlight, the uncommon for this week is Brush Fire Elemental at every bit of a quarter. Uh, for those of you who don't know, but, uh, Brush Fire Elemental is a red and a green for a 2-2 haste can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less and landfall plus two plus two till end of turn 
And there's a little bit to unpack there, right? It's efficient and it has synergy that matters in several places because A, it's a two drop creature. It's gruel colors. It's a two power creature for things that care about that, whether in the hand, on the battlefield, or in the graveyard, and then it can get bigger. But perhaps most importantly, given the situation that we're, you know, given what we're talking about here, what its ability is, it's an elemental. Which means you can curve it into Risen Reef and then, or Risen Reef into it. And it's got haste, and if you floop into another land, you're going to reap the benefits. There's also the synergy with fetch lands in older formats like modern. Uh, lands like Fabled Passage or Evolving Wilds in Standard and Pioneer. Uh, cards that put multiple lands onto the battlefield like Splendid Reclamation in Pioneer. There's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's a thing you can do. And it also has unique evasion because instead of having trample, it just can't be blocked by small creatures. It pairs well with instant speed land drop effects like growth spiral or a flash elemental with a um, risen reef on the battlefield. Uh, Harrow in older formats, whether it's uh, modern or commander. You can just really kind of, you can either trade up where they've got an awkward blocker that you really don't want to have to deal with all game long, send it in there, see if they block. If they do, you can punish them. Or it just applies a lot of pressure. Like four to six damage is not nothing out of your two mana creature. So moving on to our rare, and this could not be more different. Our rare is Atarka's Command. And Atarka's Command comes in high here at $5. It's at the top of what I would normally consider our budget range for a card that you're primarily going to play in 60 card formats and four copies. But it turns out it's really, 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 really good. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it is uh, red and a green instant. Choose two modes and it's Target player can't, or players can't gain life this turn. Deal three damage to target to each opponent. Uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and reach until end of turn. And I can never remember the last mode. I really can't. Because those are the only three modes I seem to ever care about when I play the card. I'm sure it's good. I just can't remember what it is. I don't know. Anyway, modal spells make me happy, particularly in a color combo that's not known for them. Gruel is not exactly flush with options when it comes to spells. You've got charms, you've got the you've got a Tarkus command, you've got the original command, the monocolored command cycle from uh, Lorwyn. But beyond that, there's there's not really ever been like a ton of modal spells and in particular very few that let you choose two modes upping the customization of the cards the range of modes offers flexibility where it really shouldn't exist a good case in point is 
the ability to against a life gain deck use the use it as a skull crack to shut off their synergies while at the same time against a, a creature a, a regular creature mirror where you're trying to push for game you just send them in there and go three upstairs pump the team sometimes you have to use it defensively your opponent's beating you down with a bunch of flyers so you hold it back you hold your creatures back and they swing in anyway and you just give the team reach and they have to read it again to make sure that it actually does in fact give your creatures reach it does check the card it also slots into a pretty wide array of decks in its in its heyday it was the the namesake behind the atarka red deck in standard where you wanted to use it in a go wide deck but it's also relevant as a as just extra copies of Skullcrack in Burn. If that's something you're in the market for. It's relevant in just classic tokens decks that... I mean, it's got a lot of range to it. You can play it in a regular, like... Play my creatures and attack... You know, play the best creature at each point in the mana curve. You can play it in that kind of gruel deck. Because you're still, it just, it's going to accelerate your clock. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to create awkward blocking angles for your opponent. Whatever the case may be, it's very, 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 very good. Our mythic this week is Domri Chaosbringer. Uh, Domri Chaosbringer, you have uh, two a red and a green, four loyalty, and I think the, it's plus one, minus three. Minus one, I can't remember. And then whatever the alt is. I, I genuinely cannot remember the loyalty costs and I can't pull it up because I'm driving. It's kind of a thing that I do. It's when I do this podcast. Uh, but Domri Chaos Bringer, the, the plus lets you get a red or a green mana and then if you spend it on a creature, that creature gains Riot. Riot being uh, that creature will enter the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste. That's very good. The minus. Look at the top. Look at I think it's the top five cards of your library. Put up to two creature cards from among them into your hand and the rest on the bottom in any order. Or in a random order. So it's accelerate my creatures out make my bad creatures better uh draw more creatures and then the ultimate is at the beginning of your at the beginning of your end step create a 4-4 boar token because you can't go to war without your war pigs uh Domri now Domri Chaosbringer is going to be the kind of card that's at its best in formats like commander full disclosure and it's not our commander spotlight. It's just a mythic that's only $2 and it's a planeswalker. So it's definitely worth looking into for your gruel commander decks. But it plays very well in a creature focused deck offering you the option to go fast or big because of the mana ability. You can give your mana creature haste to deploy another one for example. With something like Beast Whisperer or Vizier of the Menagerie on the battlefield, that can start to snowball real quick. 
or if you've cast glimpse of nature because you really want everybody else at the table to kill you. Card draw, the card draw effect can determine games when it hits. If you're playing a creature-focused deck for parts one and two, you're going to keep drawing creatures, and that's going to give you something to spend mana on, which is in turn going to allow you to keep de- keep deploying creatures. You're just going to get a, keep applying pressure. Pressure forces mistakes, and mistakes can lead to easy wins. And the ultimate can snowball in a hurry, particularly if you are playing a deck that loves ferocious triggers. Uh, I.e. triggers for cards that want you to control a creature with power 4 or greater, or whenever a creature with power 4 or greater enters a battlefield under your control. You just get all of those that you have under your control for free every single turn. Because it's an emblem. Love it. And then last but not least, our Commander Spotlight. And this one, again, is at the high end of our budget, but we're specifically talking about this one in the context of Commander. So I'm I'm, I'm in on it. Uh, this card is Godzilla King of the Monsters. And I, I, I can't remember its uh, magic name because the actual magic version of the card has not been printed yet. Only the Godzilla art has. As a box topper. And it's... Three, a green and a red, buys you a 7-3 and says lethal damage to your creatures is determined by their power, not their toughness. So your creatures don't die if they take damage equal to their toughness, only if they take damage equal to or greater than their power. You could say that's a very powerful card. I'll do better next time. I mean, first and foremost, for the purposes of budget spotlight, it's a box topper that doesn't even cost $10. It's $8. And that's probably nearer to the high end. If, like me, you frequently take advantage of trade credit bonuses and vendor discounts for loyalty programs, you can get it for less than $8. It also falls into a unique category of commander because it changes combat. Similar to cards like Arcades, Doran the Siege Tower, uh, Assault Formation, uh, the Uncommon Whatley from War of the Spark. It doesn't go to that extreme to where only your toughness matters. Or only your power matters. But it kind of goes to that extreme. You know, it still makes them worry about the wrong number. (laughs) And unlike the others, this one does so asymmetrically. Like, even if your opponents accidentally just have a deck full of creatures with greater power than toughness, this doesn't affect their creatures. So you can still get the cheese with a one damage to all creatures spell. You know, if they're playing a bunch of high power, low toughness creatures, you can still body them. And that's fine. And I mean, last but not least for Godzilla, it represents what is ostensibly one of the most unique gruel commanders. 
And in a format like Commander, where everybody's tried everything at least once, having one of them that just feels different, just hits different, it's not nothing. And not for nothing, but, you know, Unleash Fury plus Teamer Battle Rage is lethal commander damage. Because you make it 14, and then you double, you give it double strike. Kills him in one hit. Pretty cool. But moving on, uh, it's time for our second segment, which is our Brew of the Week. And this week's Brew of the Week is in Pioneer, and it is one that I've talked about before on the old Riding in Cars with Cards show. Uh, but this is Gruel Blitz. And I don't have the concrete list on me. I actually haven't updated it in a while, but I've got ideas on what I want to do for that. But the core of the strategy is to deploy Pelt Collector and or Experiment 1 and just kind of cheese all over your opponents by playing, you know, Pelt Collector or Experiment 1 on turn 1, Burning Tree Emissary into a 3 power creature on turn 2, allows you to attack for 3 right away. Or you can just get the nuts where you go Pelt Collector or Experiment 1 on turn 1. On turn 2, you play, you know, I don't know, a Zerta Goblin or an Earthshaker Kenra or a Robber of the Rich, some kind of 2-power haste creature. Attack them for 4, untap on turn 3, and then go Burning Tree, Burning Tree, Reckless Bushwhacker. And your your team gets 1-0 and you send everybody in sideways and find out if your opponent's dead. Because you're, you know, double burning tree plus Pell Collector Experiment 1 plus Zertar Goblin. That's 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 damage after attacking for 4 on turn 2 in a format with Shocklands. They might be dead or dying on turn three and that was the core focus of the deck is the speed it's got three s's because i like to divide everything into threes how triangular of me um the deck is designed to leave them dead on the board by the end of turn three whether it's the pelt collector with multiple burning trees and the Reckless Bushwhacker draw, or it's just Pell Collector Experiment, Warner Foundry Street Denizen into two power haste creature into three power haste creature. That's still going to get them close. If you, you know, play one of those one drops that grows, and then you play a two power haste creature on turn two, attack for four, play a three power haste creature on turn three, attack for eight. They are dead to what you have on the table right now. Right now. Like, whether that three drop is Oncrop Crasher or Gruel Spellbreaker, or any other three drop haste creature that you want to play in your Gruel Blitz deck, all of them get the benefit with the way this deck is designed. 
Pelt Collector Experiment 1 curving into increasingly large haste creatures supplemented by bushwhacker effects is a really solid plan A. But more than that, it's got size. You can sideboard for the fast aggro mirror by boarding into Bonecrusher Giant and Lovestruck Beast, allowing Pelt Collector or Experiment 1 to get to 4 plus power reliably. Not just get there, but get there consistently. Because you've got access to additional 4 power creatures. You know, in the main deck, the only way you have to get it to 4 power is by rioting in your Gruel Spellbreaker as a 4 4. Not so post-board. If you are in a matchup where you need to go bigger and the Spellbreaker or like the like the Oncrop Crasher and maybe one of your non-creature spells is not as good, or your Oncrop Crasher and Reckless Bushwhacker are not good in this matchup, you can board into Bone Crusher and Lovestruck Beast. If you're in a fast creature mirror or you're in a, mirror, uh, a red deck mirror, that can be a big deal. Bonecrusher Giant serving as additional removal along with a big body and then Lovestruck Beast representing two bodies even if it never gets to attack it's just another body on the table holding down the fort. Uh, the Riot on Zyrtar Goblin and Gruel Spellbreaker also offers you a level of flexibility in that you don't always have to have them as haste creatures they can sometimes just be regular dorks and then you've also got space in as your ally pioneer is increasingly falling into fair magic territory and starting to inbreed a little bit along that axis a lot of the decks you're going to see people playing reliably are going to be decks like mono black aggro uro piles blue white control they're decks that are designed around the axis of turn four being the fundamental turn. I have to kill you by turn four, or I have to I have to stabilize by turn four. But what happens if you kill them on turn three? What happens if you're just a little bit less fair than they are? That's what we're talking about here. And then a linear goldfish deck that has more play to it than would seem to meet the eye can occupy a very real space in any given meta but especially in this one right now I mean not gruel then die right right speaking of which let's go on to our main topic I started the series last week with uh, talking about the color combinations we started with Rakdos Ultimately, I decided to just continue around the color wheel. So the next color combination around the wheel from Rakdos would be Gruel. Because you take the red from Rakdos and go one more over and you get green. So we're talking about Gruel this week. In case you hadn't already guessed. By the episode title and all the Gruel cards we've talked about to start things off. So who are the Gruul, the Gruul clans when it comes to the lore of Magic the Gathering? Uh, the Gruul clans were introduced in 2006, February 2006, in the Guild Pact expansion. Uh, second set in the original Ravnica block. It was the fifth Magic set that I had ever bought cards from as they released. 
And when I say bulk cards, I mean like three or four booster packs at Walmart and then I had to trade for everything else. But that's a whole other thing that we'll get into later. On a different episode, like nine weeks from now. Uh, But within the realm of the lore, the actual clan, the guild, the Gruul clan's guild are portrayed as barely organized in any fashion and seen as violent, aggressive, anarchist thugs whose sole purpose is to endanger and is to endanger the established order, at least in the eyes of your average Ravnican citizen. It's it's a it's a guild of outcasts. You see a lot of weird creature types in Gruul. Berserkers, ogres, cyclopses, giants. But when we're talking about red and green, what are the overall strengths of them when, when it comes to putting those two colors together in magic? You get efficiently costed threats because when you mix reds, propensity for speed with green's propensity for size you get a lot of nonsense a lot of nonsense particularly in the the three to five mana range you get a lot of really really good creatures in red and green by that same token you get a lot of excellent mid-range creatures whether it's just efficiently costed threats like well Rekindling Phoenix, Hazard the Fervent, Ronus the Indomitable, you know, big hulking creatures for their mana cost with a lot of words on them, Questing Beast, Lovestruck Beast, Bone Crusher Giant, whatever. You also get value creatures in red and green where really we shouldn't get them. I mean, if I'm being honest. But we get, you know, the, the green draw card creatures or we get the red exile a card from the top of your library and be able to cast it until end of turn creatures uh, defensive body creatures that provide some sort of benefit you get overall high card quality for proactive decks because red and green both red and green independently are not particularly interested in super long games and when you put them together they just don't even know what they are You get artifact and enchantment removal because you get the two colors. You get red, which is particularly adept at destroying artifacts, and then you get green, which along with white gets the lion's share of the artifact slash enchantment removal. You get hosers for reactive opponents, cards like Veil of Summer, cards like Fry, cards like... uh... Oh, come on. I had it. Cards like Chill, cards like uh, Boil, going back in the day, cards like Flash Fires, Blood Moon, you know, you're you're punishing people who don't want to play your game. You get Burn and Fight spells for removal, and they're fairly efficient at doing that. Look no further than Standard and the prevalence of Ram Through, Primal Might, Thundering Rebuke and uh, Royal Eruption. To say nothing of going further back and looking at other 
better examples. Occasionally you get the framework for some really fun ramp shells. I uh, played against one on Arena the other day that was really sweet. You know, Valakut Exploration plus a bunch of land drops plus uh, Scoot Swarm. Uh, we had to escape Croxa twice in a turn in order to win that game. Otherwise, we were going to get bodied by like 17 Scoot Swarms. So, yeah, it was pretty cool at first. Uh, occasionally, or it's also an unorthodox source of combo aggro from time to time. Decks like the Become Immense plus Teamer Battle Rage decks of uh, Con Standard. Get random pump spell aggro decks every now and then. Uh, some of the early Infect builds were Gruel because they didn't want to play Blighted Agent. <clears throat> and they wanted to have access to burn. Um, and then most recently, you have a deck like Electrostatic Pummeler, which is a really good example of combo aggro. What are the weaknesses of Gruel? The weaknesses, it's not a very good long game color combo. I'm not saying you can't build a long game deck in Gruel. They're just not common and they are usually not intended by Wizards of the Coast when they exist. There's also not a ton of real evasion available. There's mainly trample, first strike, and haste. Sometimes double strike in combination with any of those. And while you're reasonable enough at removing creatures with burn and fight spells and just having bigger creatures, you have a lot of problems removing Planeswalkers. Like a lot of problems. And last but not least, for weaknesses, Gruul decks rarely are built around synergy so much as they are just like reasonable piles of good magic cards. Because, frankly, the color combo, despite all the love it's gotten over the years doesn't really do anything together that Wizards wants to really push. They're usually board-dominant strategies, and you just end up playing the cards that are independently good. Mechanical identities. You have the three printed guild mechanics from original Ravnica block, return to Ravnica block, and guilds of Ravnica pseudo block. You have bloodthirst from the original. It ended up becoming more of an evergreen mechanic. Uh, whenever an opponent loses life, whenever an opponent has lost life this turn, this creature enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number that appears after Bloodthirst. This was most famously used, at least in its time in Standard, on uh, Scab Clan Mauler, which was a red and a green for a 2-2 that entered the battlefield. It was a Bloodthirst 1, and it had Trample. Remember back in the days when a 2-mana 3-3 Trample was a really, really, really good creature? Pepperidge Farm remembers. Uh, return to Ravnica's... The Return to Ravnica block saw the return of Gruul and their new mechanic, Blood Rush, where you could dis pay mana, discard the creature, the, the card from your hand, 
and gain an effect. Typically in the form of pumping your creature and giving it some form of ability. Or what have you. But that was the idea behind Blood Rush was to get, you know, you were going to lose this thing anyway. I'm just going to throw it at you and get it out of there. I'm going to hurt you with it. And then most recently with the Riot mechanic in Ravnica Allegiance. And Riot will go down as my favorite gruel mechanic because I love choices. Our creatures with Riot enter the battlefield with your choice of haste or a plus one plus one counter. So you can go big or you can go fast. Or you can work it so you get both. Multiple instances of Riot let you choose twice so you can get both. Or you can get, you know double plus one plus one counters or you can get super haste no you can't that's it's not a thing closest thing to super haste was dash but we don't want to talk about frequent themes are power four or power extra greater fight recursive card advantage neutral auras uh first strike trample and haste just all over the creatures Uh, mana denial in the form of land destruction, cards like Blood Moon, again, cards like Flash Fires, Choke, not Choke, Chill, I guess Choke too. Chill is not one of these cards, I don't know what I'm talking about. And then Disruption of Spell-Based Strategies, cards like Cinder Vines, Burning Tree Shaman, uh... If they're trying to fight you on a weird axis, there's probably a gruel card that punishes them for it. And then cards that care about lands randomly are gruel. Sometimes gruel splashing. And then you have your typical deck styles for gruel. You have kind of good stuff tribal, where you're just playing the best thing you can at the first five points on your mana curve. You have big aggro, which is very similar, but is more aggressively slanted. Uh, less interested in card advantage and value and more interested in just smashing your opponent's face in. You've got blitz aggro, like the gruel deck that I was talking about earlier, where you just want to get on the board as hard and fast as you can. Get them dead as quick as you possibly can. You've got ramp decks where you just want to ratchet up all the lands into play that you can to get benefits from it. Look at Titan Shift and Modern. Look at, uh, again, that like the Scoot Swarm Valakut Exploration decks in Standard. Really sweet. That is a train. Sorry. Um, there's Ponza decks. Uh, using, land, using land destruction and mana denial as a core focus of your strategy. And then you've got kind of your aggro loam strategies where you're interested in playing, you know, lots of lands, or you, you want to get lands into your graveyard, get you know, buy them back to your hand, or get them out of your graveyard to play, use them to trigger abilities and huck them at your opponent's face with something. A really good example for aggro loam would be, you know, going back in the day, that's where the deck got its name, it was a red-green deck, and extended with... Uh, Terravore, which gets which uh, power and toughness is equal to the number of lands in all graveyards, and it's a three mana trample creature. 
And then you played that alongside Seismic Assault, Life from the Loam, and just like a smattering of burn spells. And you could do something similar in modern today with Tarmogoyf, Elvish Reclaimers. Uh, there, it, I'm, I haven't sketched the idea out much further than concept, if I'm being honest. But with all that being said, all that out in the open, um, that's all I've got for this week. So I hope you enjoyed. We will be back next week to talk Selesnia. And I look forward to continuing this series. Selesnia is going to be a hard one because I've never been particularly fond of it, if I'm being honest. So it's going to be interesting to do a deep dive on it when I've barely played it. But, got questions, comments, concerns, send them on Twitter, at HomerPathMTG. On Facebook, my name is Adam Spain. On uh, the Facebook group, the Homeward Pathfinders. Again, don't forget to check out the Parent Network, Constructive Criticism, the sponsor at PureMTGO.com, and the patron, if you want to become a patron, Patreon.com slash HomerPathMTG. And with that, I can't help but feel the need to reiterate what I've been saying for months. We're all going through it. Everything kind of sucks right now. So when you're dealing with the people in this community or any community, never be cruel, never be cowardly. Remember that hate is always foolish. Love is always wise. Always try to be nice, but never fail to be kind. So, laugh hard, gruel smash, and be kind. We'll catch you next week.